We pray that you would turn our attention to you. That you would open our hearts and our minds to you and to your presence. And so we do ask, Lord, that you would draw us near. That you would clear out the clutter that is so often within us. That you would allow us to gaze on you. And to know you even in the midst of this deep and wondrous season. So we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I've been looking forward to coming for a while. It's been a while, actually, since I've been here. And particularly on this rather momentous day, with not just confirmation and the dear people from Messiah in a garden, welcome, very glad that you are here with us as well. But also, of course, this is live nativity day and all kinds of things are going on here at, at Good Shepherd. And I, I was wandering around before the service, just noticing, you know, the scaffolding going up, the lighting's all wrapped up, things are showing. And there's this one place where I was so struck by the poignancy. I was going around this way, and of course, that's where the stable and manger scene is set up with all of these large artificial sheep looking like they're going to baa at any moment. Well, if you notice that right there in front and to the left, there is one of the stations of the cross. They are superimposed almost, as it were, upon each other with, quite honestly, whether it was intended or not, dramatic effect, at least on me. Because, and notice this if you walk around tonight, They'll, see, they'll be right there, of course, the lambs and the baby in the manger. And then there's the picture, that station, of Jesus actually being beaten. It's a startling juxtaposition. But in some ways, Advent holds both of those things together in a way that's extraordinarily important. So that even in the phenomenal Wesley hymn, one of my favorite Advent hymns, thank you, whoever picked that up, um, Gaze with what rapture, with what rapture, gaze we on his glorious scars. That's not something that you would necessarily expect to sing just several Sundays before Christmas. But it's meant to. And it's meant to speak to something within our hearts that I think is extraordinarily important. And it's this. And honestly, I've been feeling it. And what got me going and thinking about this in a very particular way was reading the gospel lesson for this morning. Because where Mark invites us is not initially to a baby in a manger at all. As tender and lovely and, and, and wondrous as, as, that is, as that is. He invites us into the wilderness. That's where the opening part of Mark's gospel is set up. We are not into, at this point, nativity and annunciation and all of the things that prefigure the birth of Jesus. Instead, are we? We're in the desert with this rather strange-looking man whose clothing, camel's hair, not what you see in the men's store, by the way, um, and a leather belt actually causes those people to look at him and go, hmm, that's how Elijah was dressed. This man of the wilderness 
calling people out, out of Jerusalem, even out of the temple. Who, who would do that? Who would go out to hear this wild man in the middle of nowhere? I would say to you that who goes out to hear them are the people who are in Jerusalem and in the temple and who say, like some people do, even with the decorations of Christmas, there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be more than jingle bells and tinsel. There's even got to be something that is speaking to me perhaps even differently from a baby in a manger as extraordinarily awesome. I mean, bringing us to our knees as it is. It's an inner sense that something is not right. That Jerusalem and all of its commercial activity and the shopping we do before Christmas and It's not satisfying something that's deeper in our hearts than even the desire to give well, as wonderful as that inclination is. That there's something that's just wrong, and I feel it inside me, and even while everybody else is enjoying themselves, and they're in the midst of the season and and all of that, and and even, even when I come to church, it's, there's something still that's not in me that feels right. What's up with that? It is those people who heard the call of John the Baptist to literally step away from all of the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem, temple responsibilities and the like, even the care of family and friends, all of the responsibilities, in fact, the good responsibilities with which we are charged as citizens, family members, churchgoers, and to go into the place where there actually is nothing in the visible geography to draw my attention at all except the deadness of empty space, sand, scrub, and then the occasional lizard and snake on the road. It's barren. And it's meant to do that. Because to go into the wilderness literally clears me of all of this sensory demand. I mean, it it would be the 21st century equivalent of going into your room, shutting the door, getting into your closet, turning off your phone, and being still with nothing to distract your attention. You know what happens when you do that? It actually allows those inner places where things just don't feel quite right to actually begin to come to the surface. They're, it's not overlaid anymore with uh, the other responsibilities. And the, Oh, yeah, I know, I know I need to go to the grocery store this afternoon and things like that. It begins to settle in, especially as you're making this trek away from Jerusalem. It's getting farther and farther behind you. And now it's too far, actually, to turn around and go back and do the errand that you forgot. You just keep walking because you've heard about this incredible kind of crazy guy. 
who's saying something that feels to you, at least from what you have heard, profoundly important. And that maybe, just maybe, his word, as strange and foreign as it may seem, may actually answer some of the cry in my heart that is not being satisfied by my everyday routine. Prepare in the desert. That actually is the essence of what Advent is. It's creating those desert spaces where we close the door, where we shut off the phone, and we get still, and we get still enough to not allow our own internal entertainment distractions that are inside of our head, not just in our phones, inside of our head, to finally begin to settle down. And then, in fact, to quote actually a Christmas carol, let every heart prepare him room. Because that's what Advent is meant to do. But that's only going to happen if you and I actually step into that wilderness place to make room, as it were, circumstantially, for a God who wants more than anything to speak through, above, and beyond all of the internal distractions and bring us to that place where we can begin to actually hear him, allow him to come and touch those deep places within us that are not satisfied with merely the everyday routine. Because you see, beloved, it's not meant to. So if you're going, what's wrong with me? It may be the answer is nothing. It may be that God is stirring something inside of you that is actually deeper than the routine. And what God is actually doing is pouring wilderness, can I say this, inside to draw you out so that the hunger finally will not let you go. So that you, in fact, might be alone. Alone. Perhaps even the thing that you fear the most. Alone. To discover that there is an intimacy with God that actually satisfies the deepest of lonelinesses that you keep wishing will go away. The thing that doesn't get satisfied when you go out shopping or do something else. It's bigger than that. And it's bigger because it's only meant for God. It's not meant for anything else. I believe with all my heart they were the people who in hearing these crazy stories about John the Baptist actually made the trek to everyone else's. Oh, why do, you know, it's just a sideshow. Why in the world would you want to go out there? Isn't temple worship good enough for you? Now, why can you do that? Don't you Who's going to go to the grocery store? I mean, all the stuff that's just kind of who we are, what we do, and actually, by and large, what we actually really like to do. They're not bad things. But there's something else that's deeper than the good things that we are called to do. Because there is a part of us that actually really longs to hear the cry in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Okay, I'm coming, God. <laughs> I am coming.
Am I worthy to come? No. And my own inner turmoil is in fact indicative of the push-pull I feel inside of me that speaks more loudly of my unworthiness than any sin that I can directly appoint. Even when I actually try to close the door, turn off the phone, what happens is, is that the chorus emerges beginning to speak to me about all of these things. Is, is my heart worthy to make? Do I even know how to prepare him room? The answer is I don't. I need God to come in and do something, in fact, that I cannot do for myself. And you see, that's really why the passage ends with, and I love this, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, I can't baptize myself. It's the very nature of baptism. Somebody has to do it. And who's going to do it? He will do it. God himself. That if I'm willing to get alone, if I'm willing to keep going back into those desert places, if I'm willing to pay attention to the cries that are in my heart and offer them to him because he, in fact, really does love me, I will listen to what the Lord God is saying. He is speaking peace to his people and to those who turn their hearts to him. That's the one who will come and baptize with his Holy Spirit, filling in like fresh water all of the desert places inside of me that long to be nourished, and for some reason that only God knows, they're not. Come, Lord, help me make room. Help me willingly find those desert places where I can be still with you. Help me, God. Help me, please, that there might be room in my heart, in the heart of my family, for that kind of fresh, powerful pouring out like water of the Holy Spirit of God. Help me, Lord, To prepare. See, that's Advent. Advent is not just taking on a repentance discipline and adding it to the rest of the list of what it is that I have to do. Advent is actually paying attention to the inner cry that God has already put inside of us to say yes to him in deeper ways, to be with him without pretension, the need to impress, hoping he'll like me, but to instead discover the love that will not let me go, the one who does speak peace to his people, and the one who actually comes to just tear out the stuff that is wrong and to plant within us that which bears his fruit, to refresh, to heal, and to restore My hope is is that these who are coming to present themselves for confirmation and reaffirmation and reception know that, that they can say yes to Jesus into a deeper place of service precisely because they know that this one is in fact profoundly trustable and that they can come into that place and say yes and open their hearts to him and know that what he will do is pour out within them living water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So it's not coincidental, regardless of what the calendar may or may not have indicated, 
that this should happen on the second Sunday of Advent, where the lesson is calling us to say yes to the desert, yes to him, and yes to this fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because that's the meaning of what it is that we are doing here today. And so whatever you're going to do after the service is over, you may even have a list after all. Please don't let Advent get lost in all of the other preparations. Pay more attention than that to what's going on inside of your own heart. Find ways to be still and ways to say yes that as we will pray later in this season, that we may greet with joy the coming of our Redeemer. Amen.